Welcome to the New Books Network. This is the Nordic Asia Podcast. Welcome to the Nordic Asia Podcast, a collaboration sharing expertise on Asia across the Nordic region. My name is Ines Söderström, and I'm currently a master's student in East Asian Studies at the University of Turku in Finland. I also worked as a research assistant for the FORAC projects, which we will today be discussing with my colleagues. I'm joined here with Lisa Kaupila on site in Turku and Elina Sinkonen, who's joining us from Helsinki. And Lisa Kaupila worked as the senior researcher of the FORAC project, and she brought in her expertise on future studies methods and China-related issues. Lisa has published very interesting articles on China's role in the Arctic, and she's currently working at the University of Lapland in a project focusing on climate responsibility. Elina Sinkonen works as a senior research fellow at the Finnish Institute of International Affairs. Elina's wide research expertise ranges from great power relations, China's domestic and foreign policy, authoritarian regimes, as well as national identity and nationalism related questions. And at the moment, Elina is part of two projects that look at China's innovativeness and technological know-how from different angles. Elina and Lisa, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And as the official title tells us, the FORAC project aimed to investigate foreign acquisitions and political retaliation as threats to supply security in an era of strategic decoupling. This was an Academy of Finland funded project, which was led by research professor Mikael Matlin, and it ran between the years 2020 and 2023. The research project has delved into topics related to Chinese economic statecraft, strategic acquisitions by state-linked actors, as well as the supply security and technological vulnerabilities of small states. And as I understood, the main aim was to understand how small open economies like Finland and Sweden can deal with the impacts from weaponized interdependence between major powers. By inspecting such vulnerabilities, the FORAC project provides insight into how small states can better improve their preparedness levels in face of such economic challenges. Could either of you briefly tell us about the context in which this research project developed out of? And also, why is this research so important right now? Well, thank you, Ines, first of all, for introducing the project. Perhaps I could start. I think this project stemmed from various different reasons. And one of them is that the world keeps on changing. And while Finland has well-established system of security of supply, We have focused overwhelmingly on Russia recently, and now we have new challenges ahead. And then the corona pandemic, of course, highlighted problems in global supply chains, and those affected Finland a lot as well. So in conjunction with this pandemic and and related supply chain reasons, we have the deepening great power rivalry, which is focused a lot in technology and rising protectionism in different sectors. And these create new risks for small open economies such as Finland. So with the risks that we are looking at in this project and which we were interested in when we were planning this research were risks associated with China, but also we wanted to look at the US side as well a little bit because the risks might not stem only from the authoritarian side, but also from the bilateral relations and their developments, which can have spillover effects. So so we have a little bit of both great powers 
skills in, in this project. These broader themes are discussed on the EU level quite a lot as well. And this is also why it is important to study these topics from the Finnish perspective. In June 2023, for instance, the EU published its economic security strategy, which proposes that all member states should conduct risk assessments of supply chain resilience, security of critical infrastructure, technology security and weaponization of economic dependencies or economic coercion. So these are some of the reasons why it's important. And then, of course, we wanted to take novel methodological choices to look into these issues as well. Thanks, Elena. That's very interesting. And from what I know, your project combined two interesting future studies approaches, actually, the Delphi technique and backcasting with the help of comic art drawn by Tuli Hypen portraying dystopian futures. Could you tell us more about these approaches and why they are so useful to help us understand small state vulnerabilities? Well, the Delphi method is a much utilized futures research technique that seeks to structure effective group communication among experts. In practice, you invite a panel that represents different stakeholder groups from researchers to business people and politicians. And then you ask them to share their insights about the future anonymously in an online questionnaire. And then you allow them to learn from each other's answers. And based on this knowledge, you encourage them to change their original viewpoints. This way, you're supposed to get more elaborated and informed answers. And like you said, Ines, in our Delphi exercise, we chose a rather unique research strategy and asked our experts to study comic art format dystopian scenarios that took place either in 2027, 2030, or 2035. And after that, they were asked to backcast. And this refers to a process in which you work backwards from a particular future by proposing effective means to either reach it or prevent it from unfolding. In our context, this practically meant that we asked our experts to envision effective means that small states can adopt to tackle the risks of Sino-US great power rivalry. Oh, that's very interesting. Thank you. And I'm curious to know, what were some of the dystopian scenarios explored in your research? We had three different categories of risks, those of foreign ownership, supply disruptions and critical technological dependencies. So, yeah, practically on foreign ownership, we, for example, built a scenario in which a Chinese company acquired a Finnish gaming company whose hit game gathered Finnish players' personal data. This meant that we basically brought up some of the special risks that may materialize if foreign actors have the access to the location data of, for example, conscription-aged Finnish men. Especially the Americans have been worried about the acquisitions of such data-gathering entertainment apps, and actually the buyout of Grindr was retroactively blocked in the U.S. in 2019. On the category of supply disruptions, I could mention our scenario on antibiotics, For example, in Finland, a third of patients in hospitals take antibiotics in conjunction with medical operations, and we couldn't really conduct a modern medicine without antibiotics. Yet medicine shortages have become more frequent in recent years, and the production of antibiotics is heavily concentrated on the China-India axis. As an example of weakening supply chain resilience, an explosion in one single Chinese factory that produces active pharmaceutical ingredients led to global delivery problems in one particular type of antibiotic in 2017. 
And due to antibiotic resistance, we are likely to become even more dependent on a few medications in the future. So from these starting points, we build up one scenario in which we will experience a serious shortage of antibiotics in a Finnish hospital that threatens people's lives. And then related to the critical tech dependencies, I could mention a scenario that has a U.S. component built in, because as most people in Finland know, in December 2021, Finland decided that it will buy 64 Lockheed Martins F-35 fighter jets to replace our old Hornets, and we should get the first batch of these new fighter jets in 2026. But there might be some problems associated with this process as Lockheed Martin aims to increase the production drastically up to 3,000 fighters and nobody has done anything like this before. So scaling the production to this level might have some issues both regarding production facilities and all the maintenance chains. And in our scenario, the producer has maintenance problems and that makes it impossible to use the fighter jets in a situation in which the political situation in Finland with Russia is tightening. So there is a threat element there. Thanks, Elena. Now we're going to hear an example from one of these scenarios, the antibiotic scenario, and it's voice acted by some of our research team members. And this will help you understand perhaps that what we've been working on. News, 1st of February, 2030. Political retaliation and preferential practices. Antibiotic reserves at critically low levels in Finnish hospitals. <sighs> Home at last. Tianxia. Turn on the TV and switch on the sauna. Okay. This is Plus News. Finland. Good evening. Our top story today, Finnish hospitals are struggling with critically low reserves of the vancomycin antibiotic, which is commonly used to treat illnesses such as pneumonia and blood poisoning. In recent years, vancomycin has become more important due to the spread of antibiotic-resistant strains of bacteria. The Chinese-Indian supply chain for vancomycin was disrupted in last July following an explosion in a Chinese factory. Since December, Finnish hospitals have been supplied from the National Emergency Supply Agency's reserves. If the availability of antibiotics does not improve, commonly curable diseases will soon threaten human lives. There is also a risk of considerable decrease in surgical operations, as the vancomycin shortage has also increased the demand for antibiotics used in surgeries, contributing to their supply disruptions as well. Next up, we have the daily debate, in which our commentators tackle the situation. The antibiotic industry has for a long time concentrated in the China-India axis due to the small profit margins. Western companies produce medicines for chronic diseases. We should have directed more public funds to our domestic or the EU's internal antibiotic production long ago. In my opinion, we should have changed our public bidding rules already at the beginning of the 2020s to support the diversification of production. Back in 2020, the Commission also encouraged the development of the EU's own strategic medicine stocks to support the member states' reserves. If this had been established successfully, then... Now look, let's not forget that Chinese hospitals have no vancomycin supply issues. It is only that its export is restricted strictly to China-friendly states. As an EU member state, Finland is suffering from the consequences of these restrictions. 
You could say that the EU's human rights criticism of China and its close relationship with the United States are now taking its toll. Yeah, I'm home from work. Uh, how is it going at the hospital? Is Mira coming home today? Huh? But wasn't it supposed to be something that's easily treatable? What do you mean there's no medicine available? Dear experts, how could this situation have been avoided? Well, that was some great voice acting. <laughs> and based on this extensive Delphi study that you actually just discussed, the research team published the Rufia report in September 2023. The report looked into challenges that small states like Finland and Sweden may experience related to questions of foreign ownership, supply disruptions and technological dependencies. Could you please elaborate on the specific challenges facing small states? If I start, there is a level of difficulty in preparedness efforts when it comes to small state preparedness. Small states, according to our findings, have the most leeway in responding to risks associated with foreign ownership, a little less leeway to prepare for supply disruptions, and it is most difficult to anticipate and prepare for technological dependencies and risks associated with these supply chains. When it comes to foreign ownership issues, there are legislative tightenings that can be made to respond to risks. When it comes to supply security, certain commodities can be stockpiled to avoid problems. But when it comes to high-tech issues, it's often impossible for small states to build up all the production capacities needed. So it's kind of inevitable to be dependent on other countries in some high-tech products. Yes, and I could also add that it's also clear that smaller states have smaller domestic markets and gaining access to international markets is the only way to expand your business. So basically foreign investments offer a way to build the necessary networks for that. And therefore companies from smaller states are quite prone to accept them. So it is, for example, rather difficult for Finnish small and medium-sized companies to access certain fields in Chinese markets. But with a Chinese owner, it's much easier This can be quite different for, say, U.S. companies that have much larger domestic markets. And also during our study, many Finnish companies also argued that it's often beneficial to sell your company abroad for tax reasons. Some of our interviewees also felt that Finnish capital is not widely available. And in comparison with Sweden, whose economy is twice as big as Finland's, there are less wealthy families that invest in Finnish companies. So what then are some of the policy recommendations that your research suggests for small states to navigate these challenges posed by foreign acquisitions and political retaliation in this current geopolitical landscape? Well, our experts had differing views on almost everything, and we have grouped them or clustered them into three alternative approaches to these problems. And we have a so-called protectionist slash interventionist group who want to be a bit more protectionist in everything. And then we have more liberal group that usually suggested smaller adjustments. And then we have the so-called technologically oriented group who hope that we could find technological solutions for most problems. 
yet we have a few things that were widely supported across these different groups. Most respondents argued for diversification as a solution to various challenges, and it was also widely agreed that tendering rules could be improved to place quality over price, which would help in taking into account geopolitical risks. So we would allow for multiple winners in contracts instead of giving one contract to one supplier. So we would avoid the winner-takes-it-all logic, which often leads to overly concentrated supply chains. Also, most experts agreed that minor legislative tightenings should be made on foreign ownership, especially with regards to nationals of authoritarian states. So we have a few common issues, but then we had, and we have listed actually these in the report. So if you want to look into more detailed suggestions, I would suggest to go on and read the report. But yes, these were the issues that were widely agreed upon. I bet our listeners are curious to know whether your research has had any impact on the public discussion in Finland and Sweden. Yeah, I would say certainly yes. During our project, we were in touch with hundreds of Finnish and Swedish stakeholders, and we were reportedly able to enhance risk awareness and shape the discussion. During the Delphi process, we received emails from some of the participants who emphasized that our scenarios had made them think of supply security from a completely different angle. For example, one CEO of a Chinese-owned Finnish company told us that he now looks at his own position quite differently. Also in Finland, the Act on the Screening of Foreign Company Acquisitions will be reformed soon. We have been sharing our insights to the people who draft the law, and some of our proposals will reportedly be considered in that process. I would actually say that it is not an exaggeration to say that our project played a part in making the decision to amend the law. That is very impressive. Thank you. (laughs) That is great to hear. Well done. Thank you. My name is Ina Södersen, and today we discuss the Academy of Finland-funded project FORAC, which focused on understanding how small open economies can enhance their preparedness in face of the changing geopolitical and economic landscape. Thank you for joining the Nordic Asia podcast, showcasing Nordic collaboration in studying Asia. You have been listening to the Nordic Asia podcast.